streaming from multiple platforms today yet again. So as you can tell, we are, of course, on Interlight Radio. We are also on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, for YouTube, go to Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, of course, and Facebook, it is the same. Um, so I'm just trying to make sure all three are up and running, so bear with me for a brief moment. Let's <clears throat> see, so um, also we're kind of doing it like we did a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think uh, when we did the first series of archetypes, uh, we were trying to kind of get a few things going uh, in an interesting way. So we're going to hope that works again. But at least tonight I got some support. So I am on with uh, the grand analyzer himself, Mr. Black Gnostic, uh, will be uh, helping me break some of this stuff down. But we're going to let people file in for a little bit. So hold on, let me kind of get sound things going. All right. So we're going. I don't. Maybe I just have to restart that. Facebook always kind of lags. Okay, there it is. So I think we're up and going. So I'm on with uh, the grand analog. Damn it. All right, there we go. Yeah, it's a delay. So it always, I never know if it's actually broadcasting and I have to refresh it a little bit. But uh, we are on. And as we let some people file through, um, we're going to kind of just uh, cover some. Um, some current events for a little bit. I see my comments aren't really strolling in uh, to StreamYard, so not sure what's going on there. But uh, we got a few people in the house. What's up, Malika? Um, Art of Forte, what's going on? Um, Adam, what's, what's happening? Justin, all right. Malika, appreciate that support. So we got some people coming through. Uh, AB Media, what's happening? Justin. Uh, Ian, good to see you as usual. The beautiful Miss Kalila, how you doing? Hope all is well with you. Brenda, what's going on? Uh, so we are getting it going. And today, we're going to have a little bit of fun, I hope. Um, Art, what's happening? Um, we're going to be dealing with the second half of the archetypes in a little bit. And remember, you can call in, um, I would say, after the first half hour, first 30 minutes, number is 310-928-7733, and you'll be able to engage uh, both of us as we kind of sift through. Um, let's talk about a few current events just to kind of get on the same page a little bit. Um, let's see. First of which, um, I was alerted to this by my boy Camera. Cameron. Um, shout out to you if you're out there. Uh, the passing of Roots founding member Malik B dies at 47 years old, uh, says, I can only hope to have made you as proud as you made me. Uh, Roots bandmate Black, Th Black Thought said the world just lost a real one. Uh, so Malik Abdul Basit, uh, the screen's a little small here. Philadelphia hip hop vocalist and early member of the Roots died. Um, I haven't seen the reason yet, but... Um, they said his cause of death wasn't clear, so I'm sure more info will be coming soon enough. But unfortunately, in the moment, he has passed. Right. Uh, let's see. So next up, we got an um, article that came out on Atlanta Black Star. Call from passerby prompts police to barge into the home and arrest a 12-year-old black boy over a toy gun 
that could only be seen through the window. All right. This is on Atlanta Black Star. Definitely speaks to the um, the vilification of young black males, the black males in general, but most particularly during childhood, where there is a documented research showing that not only are black boys seen much older than they are at very young ages, usually around five or so, uh, but also seen as a threat at particularly younger ages than any other group of males. Uh, I don't want to block it entirely, BGS. If you want to comment on any of that, feel free to jump in. I don't know if you had a chance to see that particular one. Yeah. And uh, landlords will be hit. Well, we already saw that article where the black mothers are beginning to actually become evicted out, out of their apartments and stuff like that. It happened last week. So it's just going to increase what's going to happen when um, uh, when the unemployment uh, uh, addendums, you know, the, what they call the PUA, <laughs> mm. PUA uh, uh, payment stop. Uh-oh. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, my StreamYard is acting up a little bit, so I really can't see any of the comments at all. None of them are streaming through, so I can only really look at them uh, in YouTube on a separate screen. Uh, but I need to find out if people can hear BGS well enough. Uh, if somebody can hit a one in the chat and let me know if you can hear him clearly, uh, I would appreciate it. They say I sound low. Hey, okay. I was worried about that because um, this is the loudest I could get. Okay. Yeah, it's the loudest yeah. I could get this one. Okay. So uh, I hope I don't blow your ears up. I can speak up a little bit. but uh... Yeah, if you could. And, and Jamal, if there's anything you can do to, to raise his mic, I'd appreciate it. Um, Joe, appreciate that support. <laughs> Joe says I'm listening to uh listening for the lesson. Shout out to BGS Kenobi, Return of the Gnostic. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I'm seeing a few ones. It's a little low. Um yeah. And yeah, I want to be very clear that was not Black Thought who passed away, it was Malik B. So uh just to be clear on that. Right. Um, Ian coming in with the information again about the show. Appreciate it, brother. Um, so next up, um, this is off of USA Today. Almost half of all jobs lost during pandemic may be gone permanently. And I am definitely on with the right person to expound on that a little. You already touched on it, but uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see that particular radio. I mean, that particular uh, uh, article. That's that's something that's confirmation because uh, what's what's happening is that uh, what companies are being forced to do uh, during the lockdown was actually automate. Okay. So they're automating a lot of these systems that require people because of social distancing, because of the regulations, stuff like that, like the, a point of sale, uh, uh, more point of sale machines, uh, uh, things like meat cutting machines in the uh, meat processing plants, right? So uh, what they're doing is it, it since uh, machines don't get sick, 
and software doesn't get sick to replacing people uh, with, with, with software and with machines. So before they couldn't do it as fast because it wasn't cost effective, but now since uh, people can't really come to work, they're working with many workers in one space. Uh, people at Amazon and uh, a whole bunch of other people actually replace people with machines. So those jobs will not come back. Things like the airlines, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. They say travel won't return to normal until 2023. Wow. So we about at least two and a half years before travel return to normal. And the airlines are laying off, I think United is laying off like 6,000 people. That's just, that's just one airline. So if you take the airlines in, 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 uh, in the aggregate, you're talking about, you know, 100, 150,000 people, maybe. So, the, so those jobs won't immediately come back. So half of all jobs probably won't come back. Because they allow it to be automated, or the, uh, the industries, uh, the, the the businesses that close down can't open back up, like restaurants, concerts, uh, even things like uh, sports. Right? Since it's uh, since they put sports in a bubble, there's no audience. There's no audience. There's no people servicing those audiences and stuff like that. And the surrounding area businesses, bars, hotels, and restaurants. So basically, all that stuff is going to be either uh, severely limited or wiped out. Absolutely. Um, let me see. Um, let me make sure. MLR, appreciate that support. Uh, CIPH, um, Bud, appreciate the support there as well. Also, Gold Professor, thank you. Um, Gold Professor says, support the channel, schools in at BGS. Do some more broadcasts so I can learn some more, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to open up the archive. That's what you need to do. All of them. Yeah, I just put I just put up a, a darkness segment uh, uh, with Dr. Jack Rat, Dr. Jack Rasmus, who actually follows. Uh, he's in the comps. Actually follows uh, not only the Fed but the banks and also um, employment and unemployment. He says right now, as it stands, there is at least fifty million people that were working unemployed. It's like a third of the former workforce is gone. Is actually unemployed right now. Mm. Which is uh, greater than the uh, the depths of the Great Depression, you know, some hundred years ago. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, here's another one you might, you know, get a kick out of. I know you saw it because I saw you saw this one earlier. But uh, Zimbabwe agrees to pay 3.5 billion in compensation compensation to white colonial farmers. Yeah, basically, this is the deal that was cut uh, with the with the with the Great Britain and the Chinese. Or, uh, I forget his name, uh, uh, that actually became president, which actually replaced the, the former president. So he actually went to, he first went to China, to the Chinese, and talked to them, and then he went to Great Britain to actually, uh, deal, deal with them, to actually, so they wouldn't start attacking the currency anymore. So this is the deal that was cut like three, four years ago. So I'm not surprised that it's just now announced. But yeah, this is not, to me, there's nothing that surprises me. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the farmers' compensation was part of it, part of the deal to actually uh, 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 for Great Britain and Europe to stop attacking their currency. So I think their currency actually stabilized. Okay. Um, now I'm I'm trying to cover multiple bases here, so it looks like my streamyard is is dragging, but it's slowly starting to populate. Uh, it's a little behind. Someone says they can't hear the audio. Uh oh. Yeah, I think it's probably I'm probably still low. But uh, uh, put a, you know, if you guys can hear me, put a one in the chat. So what's the next story? 
Uh, next one up, we're looking at uh, this one is one you already just you know, spoke on. But if, if anybody wanted to see uh, an article on it directly, this this is off of Huffington Post, HuffPost.com. Millions of Americans are about to be homeless and it's totally preventable uh, is the argument. But um, definitely one that's already up. Uh, another on LosAngeles.CBSLocal.com, LAPD officers charged with falsifying gang records could disrupt over 750 criminal cases. Um, so that one's an interesting one. And this is around your neck of the woods. What are you guys hearing out there? Um, it is preventable. The thing is, is that uh, you, the thing is, if, if you could build tiny homes, you could build temporary homes for these people. Um, it is preventable. But the thing is, is basically what actually bring down the, the, the price of real estate, and that's when you start impacting the banks. So, um, I say, um, I think the one lady who held up profits over people, right? Or people before profits. Mm -hmm. And that's a decision that the United States is going to have to make. Uh, uh, is it profit first to save and bail out the banks and, and, the, uh, and the billionaires? Or yes, you're going to actually make it better for your people and actually house these people and make it affordable? You can't do both at this point. Okay. Uh, hold on what, real quick. We got uh, 83. What's this weird? Okay. Yeah. So it's uh StreamYard is still dragging. So we got about 178 watching. Uh, so people are still filing in. Please hit the like button as you come in, uh, share and subscribe, you know, the deal um, as we go in. But the other one is, is the one I was asking your, your opinion on most immediately. Uh, the one about the LAPD um, and, as I know, that's that, those are your stomping grounds. Uh, any inside information? Anything you've been hearing about that one? Uh, uh, not really. Uh, I've heard, you know, the LAPD has been what basically, you know, kind of strong arming people and actually tamp, trying to chant down this protest. And uh, I've seen a little bit of violence, but not a whole lot. So, as far as I can see, they've been pretty well behaved over the past three, four months. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Let me see. Grown man business. Thanks for that support. He says, salute my brother. Just found your channel. I have one with 6,000 as well. Salute to BGS. And although we haven't agreed on all points, I can appreciate what he does for black masculinity. 100. Uh, yeah. And he just actually reminded me, thanks for that grown man business. Also. Yeah. We just passed 6,000 subscribers. Uh, really? I want to say, earlier this morning. So I want to shout out everybody and thank y'all for the support. Hopefully we can uh, definitely keep growing. Uh, so let's see here. Um, we also had a report that Bismarck E is in the hospital uh, due to uh, diabetes, if I'm not mistaken, but he's been in the, in the hospital for a little minute. Uh, so just some acknowledgement to the brother. Um, also, we have um, congress.gov uh, putting up some information on H.R. 1636, 116th Congress, Commission on the Social Status of Black Men and Boys Act. So as I understand it, at this moment, they're still gathering information. They're going to put together a panel. Um, you know, uh, all I can say about that is it's 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 past due. But, you know, um, it is what it is. Um, let me see here. Let me get this off the screen. Okay. Better late than never. Yeah, better late than never. But it's it's frustrating how long it took. And and the last time we saw 
uh, black boys recognized on the national stage in terms of Obama's um, you know, program, it was shot down, at least in the court of public opinion, because the underlying critique was that it was it was inherently misogynist, sexist, and exclusionary in regard to black girls, even though there was a White House Council on Women and Girls. Um, but it's nonetheless, it was treated as, as a disrespect to black girls. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. I know this one is actually being pushed forth um, by a sister. Uh, her name escapes me at this moment. Let me see if I can get this pulled up without it causing too much of the disruption. Uh, sometimes these websites start blaring sound and I can't uh, see anything, but um, I'm trying to find her name. Let me see. Yeah, um, looks like Miss Wilson of Florida. Um, I saw it earlier, and forgive me, I'm blanking on her name, but it uh, looks like she put this forth, HR 1636. Um, so yeah, we'll see if this- uh, See if it bears any fruit. Bears any fruit. A lot of that is also gonna depend on who they pull together right. on this panel. And that's gonna be a, 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 that's gonna be a tell right there as far as uh, which types of information get included in the discourse, right? Mm -hmm. So the politics of that often comes down to who they bring in. Um, we have to, might have to invoke the power of the Kente cloth to get it passed. <laughs> Shout out to Soul, Soul Shader. Appreciate that support. <laughs> Go ahead, man. What? If they need, if they if, we, if they deal with the Kente cloth and they they're serious about it, then we might have to invoke the power of the Kente cloth again. Actually, get something passed with the black men and black boys. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, hopefully that will bear some kind of fruit. Uh, I would like to see, I'll admit, um, I'd like to see certain names over others. Let me see. Um, okay, and then we have an interesting story on fox2now.com. Alabama sheriff, woman's jealousy was motive for kidnapping and murder. So one Demetria Johnson uh, apparently uh, solicited three men, Sean Johnson, Javon Phillips, and Joshua Tolbert. Um, into uh, acting on her behalf and uh, apparently kidnapping. Let me see. Let me just go straight to the story. So this came out on July 28th. Alabama Sheriff says a woman charged in the kidnapping and murder of 39-year-old Georgia woman was jealous that the victim was dating the father of her children. Now, information comes as investigators release chilling new details in the death of 39-year-old Tamika Skinner, whose body was found in Alabama hours after she was kidnapped Monday from the parking lot of a Georgia apartment complex. Um, they said, uh, county sheriff says it seems to be an old-fashioned jealousy deal. Four suspects have been charged with capital murder after Skinner was found shot to death. Investigators say sus uh, the suspected mastermind is 30-year-old Demetria Johnson, who allegedly recruited uh, the three men I named. Um, one was 40, one was 30, the other was 33 years old. Um, they said Tamika was dating Demetria's ex-boyfriend, father of her two children, and she wanted her out of the picture. Wow. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, sir? Uh, basically, uh, COVID-19, things are getting serious. Things are getting serious. Resources are drawing up. Yes. drawing up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, 
So let's, I think we can, we can kind of get started a little bit here. Um, uh, Furious Mark, appreciate that support. Or Merck, excuse me, Furious Merck, my bad. Uh, Bishop Red Pill, what's going on? Seeing a few people strolling through here. Um, uh, Vision. Uh, no, doc, Doctor, the man not is Dr. Tommy Curry's book, but um, I'm glad you purchased it. Definitely read through that. For those of you who haven't checked it out, please do so. Um, uh, Bishop shooting in some information and some resources. Appreciate that support. Um, <laughs> Bishop said, uh, I have so much to say about the last video about false paternity. <laughs> if you haven't checked that out, that's definitely an interesting one. Uh, video I posted yesterday that was circulating around social media, uh, you know, and it was a portrayal of a woman who had basically lied to her partner about the uh, paternity of their child. Uh, it's almost at about 9,000 views, and many were pointing out that it was more than likely staged. I can tell you, based on the 30 plus percent um, false paternity cases, I don't, I, my issue is not whether or not that incident happened. My issue is you know, overall uh, what's going on with men in with men in general and black men in particular in regard to this, and why there is no kind of punishment for false paternity, uh, for false rape or sexual assault claims, and these are things that I think need to be on a black male agenda because they directly impact us, and yet nobody else wants to have those conversations. But but if you haven't checked out the video, you can definitely go to my page and see it. Uh, it'll blow you away. Uh, whether it's performed or not is not the point. The point is yeah. the issue itself and um, and how it's kind of one of those things that's been around for ages, but we don't talk about. No, we don't. It's, it's a good illustration because uh, uh, I think maybe a couple of days ago was a footballer in uh, in Ghana. I found out that his three children were not his. Yes. And, uh, and his wife was trying to sue him for, uh, you know, for, for half of his assets. But uh, unfortunately for her, things don't work the same way in Ghana that they work here. Yeah. Well, and she was actually still trying to get, I think they, they have a said, said he has a seven bedroom house and she was still yep. trying to get hold of it in the midst of yep. all of that. Um, yep. But, but just like the video that, that I'm talking about from yesterday, the, the entitlement levels are ridiculous because uh, you know, she's trying to do that knowing full well that she's lied to this man, in, you know, for the longest. And in the video, she's talking about going on trips to Dubai uh, knowing that there's a three-year-old in the other room, she's lied about, uh, you know, who who the father is. So these kind of issues need to definitely be brought up, right? Um, and she would have got away with it if it wasn't for those for those uh, pesky <laughs> DNA tests. <laughs> those pesky DNA tests. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, all right. So you know. What we're going to do today is we're going to jump right into this, but I wanted to kind of qualify a few things. Uh, first off, if you haven't yet, check the uh, film review series I got going on on Patreon. The latest film review is on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales. Uh, definitely one to sit down and watch with your sons and have some dialogue about, particularly in regard to the hero's journey and the importance of uh, attaining manhood. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't. Support the Patreon. Uh, also... Um, I kind of wanted to kind of contextualize why we're having this archetype series. Um, and today, if at all possible, since I have uh, BGS on here, we'll have a chance to relate some of these archetypes to the Octane series um, and kind of get in some, some of that information there. But the point of this all came about when after Jada, 
uh, came forward and they had the discussion with Will and, you know, introduced her whole notion of entanglement. And one of the things that I thought about when that happened was, you know, how we really didn't have uh, a framework for understanding, you know, patterns of uh, female uh, behavior, negative female behavior. We didn't have a pre-framed uh, kind of um, uh, set of uh, ideas about how they may act, how they may present themselves. But we have it for men, right? We definitely have it for men. And they and they're so subtly, you know, implemented that people don't even have to say them out loud. Uh, so for example, if you're flying on a plane and for you know, you know how kids will sometimes fly by themselves, you know what right. I mean? And the airlines will be very particular about who they sit next to. If you're a grown man, there's immediately a thought in mind about whether or not she should be, you know, especially if it's a female, you know, little girl if she should be placed next to a grown man, right? They don't have the same reservations about a grown woman, but part of that is because they already have an archetype in mind for grown men who, you know, enjoy, you know, being pedophiles, right? There's a, there's a framework. We talk about pastors. The first thing people joke about or sometimes take seriously is how many women in the congregation the pastor is with, or, you know, or in some instances, how many boys he may be violating, right? But these are these are tropes that everybody have in mind has in mind. You know whether we're talking about pimps, whether we're talking about what they're pre-framed kind of um, you know ideas that we have about men in particular who can exhibit negative behavior um, in ways that people are primed to look out for. We don't necessarily have that for women. So when I thought about Jada, I realized it was bigger than just her. Um, and I'll and I'll actually read to you my initial response when I first, you know, heard about it. I posted it, and I kind of this is what I, I said about it. I said, I must say, I've been seeing more and more of this over the last few years, as more women seem to identify as life coaches, counselors, auric readers, oracles, high priestesses, dating coaches, queens, prophetesses, and goddesses. I've noticed the weaponization of spiritual ideas around healing mixed with an exploitive lack of accountability. Right. This is reminiscent of pastors who use Bible to rationalize the abuse of their positions to exploit the same populations these nouveau pseudo-spiritualists seem to prefer, underage adolescents and the emotionally and psychologically vulnerable. But as much as there's a language to call that out in the church, meaning we've all learned to picture a rich male church leader exploiting women, girls, and young boys, uh, we're only just starting to develop a picture for female spiritual slash therapeutic predators. But don't get it twisted, they've always existed mainly due to Jada's blatant and deflective use of the term entanglement um, and her uh, breach of trust with um, Aug or, you know, August, the weaponized status, age, wealth, maternal qualities, their presumed innocence slash incapability of being predators, and even psychological terminology to exploit boys and men who can literally bench press them and avoid accountability while doing so, right? Uh, we're starting to see that gender alone does not determine who can exploit or oppress the vulnerable regardless of the physical strength, status, or gender of the victim. And we're starting to find empirically, according to the data, that men are the victim more often than we think. And although Me Too has shown us several types of female predators, we never developed an archetype um, the way we have for men. So is it finally time to do so? And that's what I did. So if you, if you were there for the first uh, archetype series, we covered about 12, uh, 12 archetypes that help that, that we can actually see uh, play out in our lives. Uh, men were calling in. We were dialoguing about it. Um, and we're going to go from there. So we got about 10 more tonight. And the first of which was designed by the esteemed BGS himself. Um, but before I let him jump into it, I just want to shout out a couple more 
uh, super chats that came in. Uh, Jay Jermaine, thank you for that support. Um, I think I missed one uh, that came through. I apologize if I missed you. It's a little awkward tonight. My system is moving on slow. But anything before we we kind of jump? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me kind of get this going up. All right. So I wanted to kind of I wanted to start real briefly. Um, now tonight we're going to be using the PowerPoint. Uh, Aquatechi, appreciate that cash app. We're going to be using the PowerPoint. We're going to be sifting through it. Uh, it will be available after the show. If you PayPal me the five dollars, I'll send it to you directly. Uh, this is an updated version from the last one. If you're already a patron on Patreon, you'll have immediate access to it uh, after the show. But just to kind of give you a framework, uh, when we talk about uh, predatory black feminine archetypes, what I'm really talking about here is that uh, these are, are, you know, as you can see on the screen, in contrast to healthy archetypes that frame functional social behavior in a given cultural context, predatory archetypes are a form of dysfunctional behavior shaped by environmental conditions such as policy, carceral practice and practices, employment, educational access, etc. Uh, this project argues that the entitlement and predatory dysfunctional social behavior among some black women can be classified into identifiable archetypes, right? And I undergird that with a little bit on narcissism. Um, it plays out in more than a few of these archetypes, right? And the, the, the bullet points that uh, you'll see coming up repeatedly, right? are having a grandiose sense of self-importance, being preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, believing he or she is special and can only be understood by other special people, requires excessive admiration, has a sense of entitlement, like unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations, is interpersonally exploitive, they take advantage of others to achieve their ends, lack empathy, and are unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others, is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of them, um, and shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Um, so as we're going into this, is there anything you wanted to kind of preface going in, BGS, about uh, this dynamic? Um, I mean, this, you know, this is just female behavior. Know, number one, but thing is, it's expressly uh, exhibited in the black community because um, the black I, the black women are a little bit more forward. They're uh, a little bit more aggressive. They're also um, they, this is basically the matriarchal uh, mindset of the, of the black community. So they do them see themselves as leading the family, leading the community, and uh, and being the boss. So this so it can uh, it's not constrained. It can actually dip over to narcissism very easily. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of times it actually does. It actually does. It actually does a lot of times. You know, I, again, I want to apologize to people coming in. I know BGS is uh, is, is sound is low. Uh, we're kind of doing this over multiple platforms. Uh, so we're on Interlight Radio where you can call in. Um, and the number is uh, 310-928-7733. I want people to call in a little bit later as we get into some of the archetypes. But again, you know, keep your comments directly in relation to what we're talking about uh, so we can kind of get some, uh, you know, develop a little bit there, you know, some of these archetypes and make sense of them. Uh, so, again, I apologize that it's a little low. I hope you can hear him, though. 
uh, but I can't turn it up anymore. So um, we're going to have to kind of work with what we can work with. You know, this worked last time, but for some reason it's not cooperating as well this time around. So um, I'm going to start up. And this is uh, from BGS himself. So you want to kind of go in on this a little bit, sir? Okay, this is something that we talked about maybe uh, like a week ago. And uh, it's, he said, did, I, did you miss anything? I said, yeah, you probably missed the most obvious one that every, I think most black men actually encounter um, is the long-suffering sacrificial mother. And the, uh, the mantra is, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, most times it's actually to inspire guilt. So uh, for control. And also, it can be used if she didn't wasn't a particularly good mother to actually deflect blame. So, mm-hmm. in other words, uh, I had you. Whether uh, I put up with your father, or if your father's gone, or or I was a single mother, um, I did the best I could with the, with under the conditions that I had. In other words, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. my fault. And if she did do a decent job, then you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> and you owe me. Huh? You owe me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I said, it, like I said, it, like the bullet point. She uses guilt to control her offspring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's common amongst females, but it's especially common amongst black females. Okay. Um, the old saying, "I brought you in this world, I take you out." Uh, uh, you only have one mother. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 your mother should be first over you, even like a, uh, even over your wife or your children. Mm-hmm. Because I had you. Uh, that is the how the matriarch actually controls her children. Yeah, uh, uh, her perceived sacrifice uh, uh, shames her, her often into compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, it, she could have been the worst mother in the world. Okay, right. But her but her perceived sacrifice for having you and bringing you into this world, even uh, even though the conditions that she brought you into this world was her fault. You know, mm-hmm. her, she's you know, no matter what it was, she sacrificed for you just by bringing you here by keeping you alive. Right. Okay. Right. So, so that's how that's how she shames you, uh, her children into compliance. Um, her self-inflicted hardship and sacrifice is seen as a debt the child owes and must pay back. We hear that with uh, with, with Kobe Bryant of uh, athletes, right? Our rappers, okay, could have been horrible mother. But the thing is, if that if they if that if that boy makes it and becomes a millionaire, what's the first thing Mama wants to do? Got to buy me a house. Got to take care of me. Got to give me money. You know, even LeBron James had to put up that. And her, you know, you know what his mother was like. Absolutely. Uh, Want to shout out Victor and Ryan. Thank you for the support for the Cash App, as well as Igon. I might have mispronounced that. Appreciate that Patreon support. Uh, talk a little bit about the healthy alternatives. See, one of the things I try to do with these archetypes is to let people know, one, of course, you know, this is not a Nawalt situation. I'm not talking about all black women by any means. We're right. talking about a set of, you know, you know, kind of prescribed behavioral patterns that a select few use to their own ends. But I don't want those to be confused with people who actually do come from a whole different context, but they may, you know, exhibit behavioral patterns that seem similar. So what would be the healthy alternative to the long suffering, uh, sacrificial mother? Okay. I, my alternative is the, is the, uh, 
is the female sage, okay, mm-hmm. uh, towards her adult children. You become the counselor. You become the advisor, okay? You're not trying to control the child. Actually, you want the independence of the child to actually uh, succeed on its own because, because you've taught it to actually go out um, and be kicked out of the nest and actually be independent of you, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, a good, like Robert F. Smith's mother, okay, even... They raised him to actually be uh, not only successful, but also uh, contribute to his community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even though uh, he's never bought him a house, uh, he, he doesn't particularly take care of them because um, they had their own success. Mm-hmm. But she constantly reminds him and actually advises him on how to uh, uh, give back to the community. In other words, she instructs him and she's, she, she's a constant, uh, it, you know, uh, counselor. Mm-hmm. in his life so mm-hmm. that that's the kind of healthy kind of mother to where uh she actually applauds your success and independence and she doesn't lean on you and make you feel guilty okay yeah. uh another a good example is uh uh believe it or not it's steph curry's mother mm. okay? she married uh com- contrast steph curry versus uh, kobe bryant's mother okay okay uh uh steph curry's mother has never asked uh, uh steph for anything Mm. Uh, she's the one that actually, uh, uh, when when uh, when her husband was actually on the road, she took him to the to the practices. She she took him to the high school. She's the one that helped him get him into uh, into into college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know she's she's the cheerleader on, on you know cheerleader in, in the stands. Okay, mm-hmm. she doesn't try to uh, trump him. She doesn't try to uh, take shine away from him. Um, she helps. Uh, when there was a marital strife between uh, um, him and Aisha, she, she stepped in to settle that. She, you know, she, she brought Aisha in. She actually counseled her, and you know, got her to calm down. So, and she and she's done that for all of her children. Okay, she plays. She plays the background role. She plays the advisor role. She she, she doesn't take front and center. Right. In fact, she normally she's in the stands next to her husband. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so basically, she's the cheerleader, she's the counselor, she's the advisor. Right. That's the role that uh, all, most all mothers should play. Well, you know, it's interesting. I got a, I got a shout out Jay Jermaine because uh, he took it straight from Color Purple. Maybe a maybe a secondary mantra would be if you don't do right by me. Yes. <laughs> that's that's classic. <laughs> that's an obvious one I missed. That could have been that could have been a secondary mantra right there. <laughs> Because that is the implication, right? That it's an ongoing yeah. life debt, as you put it. It's like, you know, even with uh, Kobe, you know, uh, may rest in peace. A lot of women were saying that, that the reason he his death was tragic is because he didn't do right by his mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to I want to reemphasize as these are archetypes, they are not limited uh, in the way they may sound. So. You know, this very well could be an older woman that you might be dating. This could be, you know, anybody can really, you know, implement elements of this for whatever reason. So just be mindful. It doesn't have to just be your mother or a mother figure. It can also come across from somebody that you're seeing uh, in a strange kind of way. Okay, so let's see. Move forward now. Is there anything as far as the octanes you want to you want to suggest here? Anything people need to be mindful of? Normally, normally the long-suffering mother are the are the uh, the lower class or working class. Okay. Because they're they're the more the more maternal type. They have less income. 
they're probably more dependent on their adult children than say the upper classes like the like the uh, the 89s which is the educated part the upper uh, the lower educated class or the corporate woman which is like the 92s normally they have their own success and they have uh different issues they might be uh exhibit different behaviors toward their children and in fact their the children might not be successful enough for them mm-hmm. there, so there's a difference between them and say the say the long-suffering mother but normally uh, the long-suffering sacrificial mother are actually uh, normally either working class or, or, or lower class women. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so let's move on. The next one up is the competitive masculine cookie. Um, and, and this is actually a character that we've seen played out over and over again, particularly in black media, right? Um, most particularly when you look at... Uh, uh, Oh, goodness. How am I blanking on her name? She's right on the damn side. Taraji P. Henson. She plays this character a lot, right? And so the basic mantra there is, I'm better than you, but I may still tolerate your presence. So in other words, she's highly competitive. She's usually, she sees you as her primary, uh, you know, competitor. So even though you're you're in an intimate situation with her, uh, whether it's a situationship, relationship, or a marriage, uh, she's constantly competing with you, right? Uh, she appears feminine, you know, and this again, you can see this in the roles that Taraji plays, whether she's cookie and empire, you know, the, the bottom left image is her and what men want, uh, where she actually plays out this character to a key to, a, you know, to a T, right? She, she dresses very well. She can be very, you know, feminine in her, in her presentation, but she takes a, you know, kind of pride in beating men at things associated with masculinity, right? She'll hold silent competitions without telling you and relish in winning. And this is a compulsive compulsive behavior. So this is the, you know, you might be sitting there playing video games and she might want to join in 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 one particular area of the game where she does something you don't. She's jumping up and down and you're looking at her like, what the hell is this all about? She's having silent competitions with you in her own head and she's beating you and keeping score, you know, about it. I'm sorry. What were you saying? She she can also be resentful. Yes. (laughs) If, If she... Uh, can't quite keep up with you, and right. sometimes she'll actually hold you back to keep you from winning. So mm-hmm. that that's another part of it. Absolutely, she always wants to be on top. Always wants to be on top at all costs. Uh, she may work in a highly competitive occupation. Um, you know, men remain her standard for achievement. Prides herself on perceived superiority over regular women. You know, um, uh, often financially propped up by parents, the state, ex-husbands. Um, uh, but measures your value based on whether you can match her network. Now, I've talked about this in other contexts, and I, I talked about it before in terms of dating, where you'll have women who will say, you need to make a certain amount of money to deal with me, or you need to be able to do at least what I'm able to do. But what they don't tell you is how much support they've gotten to do what they are able to do. I remember I dated a woman once who wanted me to buy her an $800,000 house And she lived in a much bigger house than I did. And she was like, well, you need to be able to at least do what I'm doing. But what I found out later after the relationship was over, a friend of hers kind of filled me in on the details. She said, no, her husband and her parents helped buy her that house. And and then after the divorce, she got it. And yet, so, so here I am new to the situation and she's measuring my value against her and her network and what they were able to produce. Um, and, and so that's something that you'll often kind of see happen with this kind of highly competitive person. Uh, and the last of which is, you know, the irony 
uh, is that what we've seen recently in the news is um, Taraji uh, Henson, you know, is kind of admonishing the whole notion of the strong black woman, you know, kind of archetype. But she was one of the ones that really pushed it. And I make the argument she pushed it a little further to a very distinct type of strong black woman, which I call the masculine cookie. Right. Yeah. Also, uh, also Olivia Pope and Scandal. Absolutely. Well, we're and we're going to get to her in another one, but I think you're right. And there, you know, and again, you know, we said this before, you know, you, you'll find people often fit multiple, um, you know, archetypes because you, you guys are going to see Jada come up in this stream again. Um, so, you know, there there may be you may find you may be dealing with somebody who is in who has a foot uh, or a hand in multiple ones of these. But the healthy alternative is, you know, a woman who can be assertive but understands that um, femininity need not just be a momentary performance. In other words, she gets um, that femininity and weakness are not synonymous. She understands that. She doesn't compete with you. It's not a part of her self-identity to beat or dominate you to prove her own worth. She understands her value and, you know, in and of itself, you know, beating and, and kind of dominating men is not uh, a part of how she self-identifies. Any, any thoughts about, I think this one might be a little straightforward, but any yeah. thoughts about the octane relationship? Oh, well, definitely 92 and above. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe an 89, but basically 92, which is the corporate girl, uh, highly educated, highly successful. Um, either, like I said, with the state, uh, with the corporate, with the corporate world, um, like you said, her network actually got her in because like, guess what? Black women are like double minorities. They actually preferred. So yeah, but no, normally you see this with highly educated women that's uh, that's competitive like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I think T three in the comments called it the in another one of her movies where you see this is Think Like a Man, uh, yeah. particularly the first one where you see Taraji Henson's character exactly playing out. This has been her role. This has been her. You know, this she might even be a little typecast, but this is her. Her this is her go to character. Uh, also, the woman in the top left, um, you know, people may you know remember from a number of different uh, films, especially Tyler Perry productions. Um, but uh, I think I most remember her from Why Did I Get Married? Uh, and she was, uh, you know, married to Michael J. White's character. Um, but again, very competitive, uh, you know, uh, having kind of a withering tongue, so to speak. Casey, appreciate that support. OK, uh, so let's see. Moving on. The Beyonce, right? The mantra here is I'm a superstar looking for my Jay-Z, right? Uh, this is somebody who does not realize that she could be happiest, um, you know, realizing that she's actually not Beyonce and the man of her dreams may be nothing like the Jay-Z or the one she's imagining, right? Usually this is where men here, I mean, well, treat it this way. The basic, you know, floor of the expectation of men is that you be a six-figure income, you have a six-figure income, you be over six feet tall, you know, you you own a home, you know, we've heard all of this most of our lives, especially if you were born after the ninth after 1980. We've heard all of those. Well, with this, with this woman, that's the basic, that's the absolute basic requirement. And we're gonna ignore the fact that among black men, so being in, in the six-figure range automatically, automatically puts you in about a three percent uh, income uh, group. Now we're not even talking about post-COVID. Right. So if you're making six figures, you are part of a very elite 
group of men. And it makes no sense that the entire community of women is looking for 3% of the men. It's, it's not, that can't hold in and of itself. And if your value is measured against something like that, even being six feet, over six feet two, you're talking about three to 5% of the human population, right. right? But for some reason, everybody's talking about that. And it's seen as a step down if you get with a man who's under six feet or who makes less than six figures, even though there's no way in the world that there are enough men that do that. Um, but nevertheless, you know, that's the standard of the average woman for the Beyonce. She doesn't want just a six figure guy. She wants a seven or eight figure guy. Um, and, and it's unrealistic. Bryce Williams, appreciate that support, that cash app. It's unrealistic, but this is the, this is the realm she stays in. So um, you'll notice from the last show, we had an archetype called the diva. And that was something very specific, but similar to the diva archetype, the, the Beyonce hyperinflates her social value, but expects men who can make up the difference to secure her ideal public visage, right? So you got to make up the gap of between what she actually is and how she sees herself. And that's expected as part of the bargain. Spend so much time working toward uh, this dream. She may miss her best options being disconnected. Right. Again, if you don't, you know, as 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 people call, it, if you don't check boxes, she may ignore you. And then you find out much later or she may find out much later that uh, one of the guys she ignored could have actually been you know, a very suitable partner had she actually looked at him and paid attention to who he was rather than who he wasn't. Um, and then performs hashtag goals uh, more than she connects with her actual partners. Uh, anything to say on this one? Uh, yeah, this is. Uh... This is hypergamy gone wild. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, you know, I've heard I've, I've heard women that they're uh, that are average looking think that they can pull what what, is what we call in the uh, natural baller because mm-hmm. that's the highest, very highest status, higher than male, mm-hmm. especially black male. Okay. Which we talk about the, uh, less than one percent of the black males actually uh, reach that status, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they think they're they're Cinderella at the ball. Yeah, that uh, they can put on, you know, the makeup, the weave, and and the clothes, and put on the glass slipper, and get on, get, get in the uh, the pumpkin carriage that's supposed to the ball, and actually land Prince Charming. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can tell you, you know, you know, I came from very humble backgrounds. We were on welfare at a particular point. Went to public schools. You know, I'm at a point where you know I've many of the, the boxes that were said that we need to check to be considered valuable, I've since checked. And one thing I can tell you with this type, but even the base floor um, kind of model of this is that the goalpost keeps getting moved. If you own a home, then the question becomes, where is the home located? And is it in an area that's considered high status? If you make six figures, then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, well, how much? Is it, if you make a hundred thousand, uh, well, that's not exactly three hundred thousand, right? Even though you've heard your entire life, you need to make six figures, right? The goalpost keeps getting moved, and I just want to want to alert you for those of us who are, you know, who've been struggling to check those boxes our whole lives. Do not be surprised when you finally achieve those things, and then the goalpost gets moved, and you're told that it's not good enough. But um, and, and you always ask the Beyonce type, "What have you landed?" that man that you uh that you dream about mm-hmm. no the answer is no mm-hmm. they don't even date these kind of guys mm-hmm. okay but they they put they put that that they put that pressure on you they put those requirements on you even yeah. though they never had a guy like that well and you you actually suggested some of the pictures that i used here in this slide so you got uh was it b simone k michelle uh why why did you choose those uh 
uh, because uh, because these two women actually work in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And the kind of men they want are actually their their uh, their coworkers. And, and the easiest way to get any kind of man or woman is if you work with them, right? If you work in that arena, then you're surrounded by those kind of people. You should land one, right? Mm. If you work with them and you can't land one, that means you do not qualify for that, those kind of guys. Yeah. Whether you're not pretty enough, you don't act right, whatever it is. And basically, when you in, in, in those kind of rounds, like, say, for, like, a... a uh, B. Simone and K. Michelle, you have to be exceptionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, exceptionally beautiful. That's the land one of those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. If you're not, they'll pick somebody else, and they get mad when somebody else gets picked. Right, right. But they but they claim that they deserve that kind of guy, even though those are your coworkers. If you can't land them, guess what? You don't qualify. Mm-hmm. But, but their ego tells them that they do. Right. In fact, uh, I think K. Michelle, I think she had a, a child by her I think it was high school sweetheart. That's mm. a regular college uh, educated guy. Mm-hmm. So she didn't even land that kind of guy. She didn't right. have her baby by that kind of guy. Right. Even though that she says that's what she deserves. Well, and the healthy alternative to this, right, is one who understands the difference between reality and dreams and knows that projecting her dreams onto others too greatly is a form of objectification. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. There's nothing wrong with goal setting, but there is a line you can cross where you project those dreams onto someone else and they just become an object of your dream rather than a human being that you're actually dealing with. Yeah, and I I think the the other point I would say, the woman that actually properly assesses her value. That probably what? Properly assesses her value. Yes. In other words, this is what I have. This is what I have to work with. And this is what I qualify for. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you're good with that, then you probably find hundreds of guys that meet those requirements. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, moving on. The caring mentor. Now you see Jada coming back into this, right? Also the late Miss Letourneau, right? Her mantra is, I will guide you while using you to satisfy my own urges. Notice I didn't say needs, urges, right? These are things that are not necessary, but things that she has prioritized and she will exploit, particularly those in her charge for her own, uh, to to satisfy those those desires, right? So abuses a trusted position of guiding the vulnerable. These are teachers. These are are either aunties. And a lot of black men have this experience where um, it's, it's their mother's friend, right? It might be a longtime family friend you know, a counselor, it could even be a a boss at work, but somebody in a position of guiding uh, others who are more vulnerable than they and abuses that trust for their own purposes, right? Enjoys the power she wields over uh, her vulnerable underlings, often takes pleasure in deflowering the innocent, uh, considers the violation of boys, for example, a rite of passage, right? Sees it as a matter of power that she's, quote unquote, making him into a man. These are these are very distinct types of, of behaviors that are at their core predatorial, right? And so the caring mentor is one who presents themselves as themselves as very loving, very caring, of course, uh, very even-minded, sometimes even very objective. But at the end of the day, uh, they're very much about exploiting others who are far more vulnerable than they. Right? Any thoughts on that, BJS? Yeah, basically they as far as boys, especially black boys, these women see them and sounds as doing the boy a favor. Mm-hmm. 
In other words, um, boys are actually seen as highly sexualized creatures. Mm-hmm. So whatever I do to them, they will enjoy it, especially if it was uh, older women. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get it in place else. So I'm going to ask you, do my favorite, give it to them. So mm-hmm. they don't see themselves as preying on these 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 boys. They see it as doing him a favor. Right. Right. Which is ironic because when you look at, uh, um, well, I won't go there. That's another show. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's another one. I'll deal with that later. Um, the healthy alternative is this is a woman who understands the value of boundaries, right? Especially when expressing herself in positions of responsibility. So this is somebody who understands that um, because they're in they're, 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 they have others in their charge, there's a responsibility. And that responsibility takes precedent over whatever emotional uh, you know desire or, or physical or sexual desire, whatever it may be, that that responsibility takes priority over that. So this is someone who understands boundaries, right? And, and, and the, the value of those boundaries. Any statement about the octane relationship here? Now this is this is a uh, this could happen at any level. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it could be uh, if she's a lower class woman, like eighty seven, eighty five. It could be the uh, uh, the the in care of the uh, of the uh, uh, child, nephew, neighbor. Mm-hmm. If she's an upper class, it could be the pool boy, the guy, uh, the uh, the boy that actually cuts your yard mm-hmm. or uh, runs errands uh, to the store. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so it just depends on. Uh, how much money, how much access does she have? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, a lower class woman would actually, uh, like I said, find a, a relative or a neighbor. Where the upper class woman would, would actually hire you. Mm-hmm. you know? okay. uh, I'm hiring him to actually trim my hedges or mow the lawn or uh, mm-hmm. help around the house. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it, it changes according to class. So you just probably explained ninety percent of porno videos today, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And that's be and that's a, and that's re, that's actually significant though because it's become far more normalized, far more accepted, at least in certain circles. Uh, it's it's considered sexy, but there is a predatorial edge to this that a lot of people don't uh, appreciate the gravity of until you're either in that situation or there's somebody you care for that's in that situation. I would have been oblivious to this before becoming a father. I really would have. I gained a serious appreciation for vulnerability the first time I held my son, right? Soon as he came out and I looked at him, I had, look, you know, I know a lot of people say this, but you don't really get it until it happens to you. I didn't really believe in innocence until I held my son for the first time. And the more I began to take him, like early on, you know, we would take him to, you know, different places, childcare places, so we could go to work. And one of the first places we took him to, she would just leave him in a crib all day, throw in one bottle, and then turn on, I guess she would play these Christian, um, you know, television shows all day. And he would sit there, and she would change him 10 minutes before we got there. Uh You know what I mean? Even something like that. It was so infuriating once we found out that somebody would would willingly violate the innocence, even if it's just that, you know, that's neglect. That's not necessarily anything sexual. But because we think, well, women will actually exhibit strong maternal behavior. Right. Right. 
you know, and so those kind of things become an issue. But my only point there is that I always took, you know, I never really considered innocence until I finally saw it. And then when you can see people take advantage of that innocence for their own advancement, that's when you start to appreciate it. So something like the caring mentor, um, it may sound sexy, it may seem cool, but when you actually have innocence that you're responsible for, um, right. you'll take a different perspective on it's, what that means. It's a violation of trust. It's a violation of trust. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So the caring mentor. So next up, we have um, the abused victim. Oh, right? my goodness. Everyone, everybody has her mantra is everybody has abused me and you will, too. I will make sure of it. Right. Weaponizes abuse to suit her interests. Uses it to avoid self-accountability. Now, before I continue, again, I want to shout out Kevin Samuels. His videos have been on fire this last few months, most especially. Very incredible, brother. But one of the things that I find in his discussions, and I noticed that he noticed it too, when he'll talk to women and he'll ask them why their previous relationships fail, more than a few of them will say they were abused. Yes. And what I started to notice Kevin would do is he'd say, okay, were the police involved? And then it, it, I, I, I very rarely heard someone say yes. And he'll quickly dismiss it and move on. And I've heard him generally explain it a couple of times, but I think his overall point there is that abuse gets to be thrown around a lot. It's almost like a get out of jail free card for many women because they can use abuse to explain either their choices to justify and rationalize their choices or to deflect critique from their own actions, right? Because as soon as you say the word abuse as a woman, most people immediately shut down. She was abused. We put her in a victimized kind of category and we're able right. to leave her there. But we're not primed to deal with women that actually exploit that very purposely to deflect from being critiqued and deflect from having anyone actually challenge or question their own judgments. And this is where Munchausen syndrome uh, comes in, right? Factitious disorder, wherein uh, those affected feign disease, illness, or psychological trauma to draw attention, sympathy, or reassurance to themselves. Munchausen syndrome fits within the subclass of factitious disorder with predominantly physical signs and symptoms, but patients also have a history of recurrent hospitalization, traveling, and dramatic extreme improbable tales of their past experiences. So basically, weaponizing uh, victimization in a way where the more damage that they appear to have endured and experienced right. becomes grounds for increased empathy from the larger community, right? Any thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, it, it also excuses bad behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ever have a, a girlfriend or a, a friend that does something erratic or, or something extremely erratic, that I'll say, I do this because I was actually abused as, as a child or uh, or or raped or molested. And uh, like you say, they use it as a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. I, I, no, you have to excuse my bad behavior because of the, uh, what has happened to me. Right. And we're supposed to, and most people like to do sympathize. I say, okay, I'll cut, cut her some slack mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you ever get into a relationship, the first thing I'll actually mention is, is uh, their victim, their victimhood, mm -hmm. last boyfriend or parents or whatever so that you will actually excuse bad behavior mm -hmm. shout out uh, to force windu for the support and shout out to green gorilla who's in the comments if you haven't checked uh, any of his videos lately definitely go to his youtube channel the green gorilla the g with the phd 
definitely check the last video he did where he talked about um, uh, intimate partner violence. He gave some serious stats on what's going on with that. Uh, and he says in the comments, the highest predictor of male to female abuse is female to male abuse. So particularly in the black community, we see a high level of bidirectionality when it comes to abuse, but we're only taught to think about it, talk about it and empathize when it comes to female victimization, even though the numbers are pretty, you know, fairly the same as far as those who experience abuse. Black males in particular experience a higher degree of it than other groups of men, but there's no conversation about that. So when a black male says I've been abused, you know, there is really no collective empathy. You may have empathy on a one-to-one -one basis with a given person. But as a, as a society, we haven't learned how to empathize for men in that way. But as you can see with the abused victim archetype, this is something that some women are very adept at using to their benefit, right. extremely adept. Even to the point where they make it up. Even to the point where they make it up, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and again, who can verify that, right? If you're meeting a woman for the first time on a date and she says she's been victimized, she was, you know, she was a victim years ago of something. I mean, you know, what do you say to that? So, you know, but again, if you listen to Kevin Samuel's show, it's interesting to see or hear how often it comes up, you know, um, you know, and most people will say, well, that's because women are abused that often. Well, actually, you know, there's, there's much more to that discussion than just that. So, um, but I just really want you to be mindful that this is something that can happen. This is these. This is. And, and again, I'm not saying that all women who've been victimized are abused victims. No, I'm talking about those who have weaponized their victimization, even to the degree of making it up, fabricating it entirely and using that to justify their actions. Any relationship to the um, to the uh, octanes here? No, this is across the board. Across the board. Okay. <laughs> Okay. In fact, the smarter, more educated they are, the more they the more they actually use it. Mm. Normally, uh, lower class women don't actually use this as much. Mm -hmm. I know that's 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 one of the reasons that uh, you know I remember Kev actually saying in one episode, uh, you know, somebody said, "Oh, I'm a psych major," and he said, "Oh, Jesus," because. <laughs> <laughs> And it was hilarious to me because over the last, you know, 30 years, you know, in higher ed, I've run across this quite a bit. You're actually talking about when it comes to the abused victim who are highly educated, especially if they're highly educated in fields that focus on victimization like psychology, they can become extremely adept at how to use it and articulate it in ways that the average person wouldn't really even fathom. Um, so that can be a tell in and of itself. They find abuse under every rock. Oh man, yeah, and and know how to weaponize it. But the healthy alternative to this is a woman who's verifiably she may have verifiably been traumatized or abused in the past, but has sought out therapy. That's huge, and owns her past, owns her part in in, in her experiences, and doesn't weaponize them against her current partner. Right? She can actually own her experiences without having to make others responsible, even people she's just met. Right. And that's huge. And that goes to uh, my boy, Sara. If you catch his show uh, on Inner Light Radio, um, I want to say it's first and third Tuesdays. But uh, and, and but I don't want to I may be missing. But check out Sara uh, on Inner Light Radio. You can look him up on the Inner Light uh, uh, website and you can find out for sure. But one of the things he talks about is his primary vetting system when meeting women is whether or not they blame. In other words, right. when they're t especially on the first date, first conversation, you're having these dialogues and getting to know each other. 
if everything and everyone outside of themselves is responsible for the situations they're in, that's a tell. That tells you that she does not own the capacity to be responsible and accountable for her own choices. Uh, he's on first and third Tuesdays at 730 uh, Pacific. Thank you. But go ahead. What were you going to say, BJ? And, and, and basically, uh, a, a lot of women actually taught this, taught mm -hmm. to be victims. Because mm -hmm. victim, with victims, you get protection. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women are actually taught to actually uh, you blame and, and actually play the victim role. Mm -hmm. Especially with past relationships. Because uh, it's uh, it's obvious, it's always his fault. It's always the boyfriend's fault. Right. It's always uh, somebody else's fault other than mine. Mm hmm Right. And because I've argued for the longest, uh, Charles, appreciate that cash out before, because I've argued for the longest that we are a society that does not know how to deal with acts of female evil. We do not know how to how to hold women accountable. Um, I think, in, you know, for the large part, that has served as incentive for these types of women to take advantage of that, um, of that lack of accountability. So uh, the abused victim becomes a very serious archetype. And you might find yourself having been tied uh, uh, or entangled <laughs> with one of these for quite a while, right? Because because you may feel like leaving a toxic relationship with her is it, it becomes another form of abuse for her. Like she she you know you leaving becomes you abusing her that much more. Now how many times has a sacrificial mother used that? Oh man, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why is your life and my life so bad? It's because your father left. How come my children are actually uh, uh, actually uh, traumatized and uh, non-functional because the father left? Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. Because right. I was, we were we were victimized by the father leaving. By the father leaving, and that's become such a comfortable trope that many of us don't know how to see past it. Um, uh, Stephen, appreciate the cash app support. We don't know how to see past it. Many of us definitely don't know how to critique our mothers. So it becomes a very easy escape. And often when you push back against it and ask questions, you'll find that people aren't ready to answer them. They're not ready for anyone to push back because those stories seldom get pushed back, you know, seldom get any pushback. So um, they can they can pretty readily be used uh, to escape accountability. Uh, here's one that I think uh, a lot of men are familiar with. This is the boss dominatrix. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the, her mantra is, I am always in control of everyone around me. Right? Uh, whether at home or the workplace, she sees herself as a boss. She must be in charge of everything and at all levels. I think in many ways this is inspired by the, you know, the, the 1980s and 90s, the influx of black women into corporate America. But there was a, a definitely a new persona that was born out of that experience. She tends to be fairly demanding. She immediately assumes your inferiority to her and treats you like an employee. Now, this is key. Not only does she treat you like an employee, she can also treat her children like an employee. And there's very little difference in her mind between you and her children. But at the end of the day, you are in her employ. And this is probably the most significant aspect of it. She can't turn it off. She often doesn't want to, but even when she, if she did, she doesn't know how to. This has become such a deep set aspect in many, uh, many of these uh, dominatrix's uh, mindsets that it's it's inseparable at a certain point. Um, but uh, go ahead. Any thoughts and reflections on that? This this is the uh, matriarch on steroids. This is the epitome of the black alpha female. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I am the boss. I am superior. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to follow me because I know best. And uh, uh, and basically, I, I have settled for you. Mm -hmm. You hear a woman say, I've settled for you. That means she's the boss. Yeah. And you're beneath her. You're beneath her. Right. And I, I mean, and it could be argued there's a general kind of sensibility in the, you know, in the late 70s, 80s and 90s, where many black women were raised to see themselves as superior to black men in general. But this is a very distinct form of it. It's 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 actually very, very uh, potent, very extreme, uh, more so than the average uh, and has taken, a, a you know, a very clear cut kind of um, structure and how these women operate. And, and even even a woman like this would normally marry and mate with somebody that she sees as inferior, so mm -hmm. that she can't be the boss. Yeah, so she can be the boss, absolutely. And and so what you'll find, and I've seen a lot of this. Uh, you might find, you know, women who make six figures who are dating, you know, guys with a high school diploma, or right. you know, he may have had, you know, some some prison time in his background record. Uh -huh. And she she runs the home. You know, you have men who who have to get an allowance from her as well as permission to leave the house. Or uh, as my boy Sarah talks about men who 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 have to take certain conversations with other men. You know, if they if it might be offensive to her, they, they kind of have these phone calls in the parking lot across the street from where they live, you know, because she holds that much of a dominant space and that dominance is expressed materially in the relationship. She actually seeks out men that she can control. And that way, even if the relationship goes bad, she can blame him, right? She can blame, blame him and also, uh, since she holds all the cards, she can actually control him and actually keep him with her. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times women like this are basically either uh, mostly insecure because they have abandonment issues or they have self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is why when I you know, when I do my closing, one of the things I talk about is how black men are often seen as sperm donors. Well, this is one of those instances where you can see that playing out. Right. Because, um, you know, often she'll not only find males she can control because she can control them. But, you know, when it comes to reproduction, he's he's a he's a you know, he's a sperm donor that she can have, uh, you know, readily when she decides to. Right. Uh, so this kind of plays into that. Uh, 490 watching on YouTube alone. My Facebook numbers are not coming up because my stream yard is having some problems, but please like, uh, share and subscribe, support the show. Um, and we'll continue from here. Now the healthy alternative for this woman is, is one who can healthily lead without ego, doesn't make herself primary in all matters, but can take direction as well. When she does lead, it's more like an administrator or a coach rather than as a dictator, right? So there are many different leadership styles. She more often than not will choose a dictatorial style and, um, you know, abuse that position as often as possible. Uh, Brenda, appreciate the cash app. Any relationship to the octanes here, sir? Oh, yes. It has to be at least a 92 or 100. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Probably a 92 more likely. 100 normally is more submissive because kind of guy that she gets is superior to her within mm -hmm. wealth and her status. But these are on the realm of the 92. You can actually see it in all of them, but especially the 92s, mm -hmm. the, the corporate girls. Absolutely. Uh, uh, big, big T, Big T, want to thank you for that support. I'm sorry, go ahead. Highly educated, uh, earns uh, uh, close to six figures or above. Um, 
run the household like a like a, a general, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. like a, a ship's captain, and, and constantly uh, overcritical of not only her, her husband but her children, which is why she picks picks what they call a quote unquote bedhead male domestic marriage. Absolutely, uh, Michael. Appreciate the cash app. Um, definitely, um, definitely. All right. Uh, let me see. There was something else that came. Oh, and and you know, to keep in mind, emasculation becomes like a second language. You know what I mean? It, 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 much of what she does, uh, Dwayne, appreciate that support. Uh, much of what she does is rooted in emasculation, but it's so common she can't see it. Um, but but others definitely can. And sometimes if men have been in long-term relationships with women like this, it often takes another person to let you know because you've grown so accustomed to being abused in this kind of way. And this is this is definitely a form of emotional abuse, sometimes even financial abuse, right? Yeah. But uh, it, it, it can become such a long, you know, kind of situation where p- people get used to it. And it often takes outside experiences for folks to even come to grips with it, which is, again, the value in many ways of seeking out therapy, particularly from uh, somebody who uh, you you know you find credible, but I think I, I did. I interrupt you. Were you going to say something else? You kind of see this with the remember uh, 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 baby boy. Yeah, where he has superior women taking care of a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, so you see that in the lower classes where uh, where a woman can actually get a homosexual and actually uh, boss him around, control him, treat him like a child, be overcritical. But here's the rub, too. When, you know, when getting with other like women in her friend network, especially, you know, if they all tend to be fairly successful, will actually talk about him like a dog. Talk about his weaknesses, you know, openly make fun of him, reveal information about him that, you know, shouldn't be public. But really, uh, you know, expressing her disdain for him, even though she chose to be with him. You know, and she's, and she's tolerating, him. and she's tolerating him, and so you know, again, fellas, if if you ever feel tolerated, um, definitely not something to stay into. You know, uh, what a lot of black men complain about. What a lot, of, yeah, indeed. Um, introvert, appreciate that support. Okay, so let's see. Next up, the man hating feminist. <laughs> now, this is another one of those obvious ones. Yeah, man, this is this. Uh, and it's so common that, you know, I, I, I tend to see it all over. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in the academy and the academy is really the birthplace uh, for a lot of this, you know, long before it got to the Oprah's. And oh, you yeah, understand Oprah was like a spigot on a, you know, on a, on a sink or something. She she just made it, uh, you know, accessible to the masses. Um, and this is why you'll have people, women in particular, who don't see themselves as feminists, but they'll still espouse the same talking points. They'll still espouse the same ideas and have the same expectations of men. It's mainly because they picked it up in popular culture. Whereas in the academy, you actually do the reading behind it. You read, you know, the works of, of famous black feminists and you kind of get engaged the culture of academic black feminism. But, you know, again, if it's filtered through the mainstream, you pick it up on your route your Madame Noir, your Four Harriet, your Oprah Winfrey, your Terry McMillan, you know, you pick it up in those kind of areas and you, you adopt the same mindset. But her mantra is that men are the source of all my problems. Um, I think, la- was it last year? Wasn't there a, wasn't there a hashtag about the root? Because the root was always coming up with reasons why black men were at fault for everything. 
Uh, I can't remember. I can't. You remember what the hashtag was? Uh, I can't remember I, what it was. Um, I know they used to say the black men are the white men of, of the black community. Right, right, definitely that. Um, but I can't remember the hashtag. But it was a hashtag where they were they were making fun of how far the route would go to find new ways to make black men responsible. <laughs> And, and and it was hilarious. I, I was on the floor. I really was. Uh, Spook, appreciate that support. But in many ways, this is the framework that 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 produced it. This is the mantra, the mind state. Men are the source of all my problems. Uh, she's wholly digested these extremist feminist impulses uh, regarding men. She uh, most of her interactions with men are problematic. This is a tell. This is a tell. You have somebody who the majority of their interaction, and it's not even men, it's males, because it can be males across age. If the majority of her interactions with males are problematic, that can be a tell. Usually has problematic relationships with her father or father figure. Uh, is needlessly antagonistic when dealing with males across age, right? Uh, often has mostly daughters, but if she has son sons, she kind of raises them like daughters to an extent, um, but her daughters will often be uh, primed for leadership and put in positions of authority. Uh, her sons will often be downplayed, right? Uh, but in the end, at the end of the day, this is somebody that comes in with a you know with a, a long-standing kind of serious um, disassociation from males, right? And so she can have males who sacrifice for her, who protect her, and she'll still be oblivious to their existence, right? Any thoughts about this one? Um, I mean, this is uh, this is so common; it's ridiculous. It's because uh, um, our whole educational system is actually geared around uh, what's called fighting the patriarchy mm -hmm. and making men, making a male just being males mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, inherently bad, toxic, toxic uh, uh, masculinity, mm -hmm. even in little boys that are five years old. Yeah, that they're taught that. Of being having boy, boy nature is bad, mm. and that starts when they're very young. Yeah, yeah. And so, so girls are taught that boy nature or male nature is bad. Mm -hmm. So everything that that's male inherently male is is a uh, bad at uh, being well, more assertive, dominant. What if it's not a, if it's not a female doing it, then it's bad if a male does it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Lawrence. Appreciate that support on the cash app. Absolutely. Um, now, the healthy alternative to her is uh, family centered, has more of a womanist framework, right? In the sense that well, one of the main hallmarks differences between feminism and woman, womanism is that feminism, the composite figure in feminism is the woman in isolation by herself. Womanism conceptualizes woman, but from the context of community and family. So she doesn't see herself apart from that network that has produced her. Right. And that's one of the main differences. There are others. But that being said, the healthy alternative is one who sees herself as part of that framework, sees the value of her role, but as part of a family rather than solely as an individual. So in other words, she doesn't put herself in a position where um, she can develop such a hostile and extremely hostile perspective on males across age because she constantly stays in close relationship to those males. And so that's that's not, you know, so if she has a problem, it might be with Justin or with Frank, not with men, right? Because she maintains those relationships, she doesn't allow herself to generalize to that degree. Um, uh, appreciate the support, Dead Set. Thank you very much. Um, any relationship to the octane, sir? 
I, you know, but basically, obviously, it's actually the uh, 89s and above. Mm. Um, uh, more because they're educated. They've been indoctrinated into this uh, into this mindset. And the further you go up in education, as you know, the more feminist you actually get. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes the man painting feminist is not female. Yeah, very true. Time. Very not true. Female. They're actually men. Mm-hmm. And the men have been taught to hate uh, masculinity in itself. Absolutely. A lot of that online, especially in social media. No, absolutely. Men will actually hate maleness. Yeah. And that's absolutely true, which is another reason why I I titled these feminine characteristics rather than female. Notice the first version of this, when I did the first one, I was talking more about female, but I adjusted it because this one, this is not limited to just intimate relationships with women. It could be friendships. It could be work relationships. Chemistry, appreciate that support on the Cash App. It can be a variety of different types of relationships, but it, it's also not limited to women, right? These are feminine characteristics, meaning they embody a feminine concept, but you're absolutely right, BGS. They can be embodied by men. Uh, it's the same kind of principle being put into action. Um, it's, the, it's the indoctrination over the last 50 years. Yeah. And basically it's, uh, it's, it's actually, uh, we is so far into the culture and into the mindset of all of, of boys and girls. Um, that you can actually hear it come out as they speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, way the, the way the worldview is. Yeah. And so basically, and basically it's like the, the, the vast majority of people actually sometimes hate even maleness. Yeah. Even, even in their boys. Yeah. It, it seems my stream yard may have finally caught up. It looks like we have over 500 listening. Um, so please make sure you hit the like button, uh, share and subscribe. You know the deal. Um, so you can catch the show. I go every Wednesdays uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific, but I sometimes will put up short videos or may drop uh, a kind of unplanned um, stream. So make sure you subscribe so you can get t- uh, tied in and, and you can stay up with what's going on. Okay. Um, so the next up is the heartless chrome. So again, I'm not calling anybody in here a heartless chrome. This is an archetype. Um, to Triv, I think it is. Thank you for the support. Um, Greg, appreciate the support. Uh, the mantra for her is that males lost access to my heart decades ago. They can't die fast enough for me. Right. And, and that that comes out of some of the tweets that I've shown and talked about in the last couple months. You know, one of which was, you know, these niggas can't die fast enough. Right. This is the heartless crone uh, archetype. Right. Uh, if she dates at all, uh, she sees herself as, you know, beyond dating and mating. And that can be even somebody who's married. Right. Who, who is completely disassociated yet again from men. Uh, she, she sees men as beneath her. Uh, believes that only women endure abuse. Even if you show her the statistics, she's oblivious to them because, and she'll rationalize them. You know what I mean? A while back, we were talking about abuse and I was going through some of the statistics. And of course, some of the responses I got from feminists were, well, women only abuse in self-defense. Again, if you haven't checked it out, go listen to Green Gorilla's broadcast, last broadcast dealing with abuse. And he'll show you the data that, that directly lets you know that that is not the primary motivation behind female initiated abuse by any measure. Um, 
Don't forget, you can call in at 310-928-7733 if you want to join in on any of this. But um, nevertheless, um, she only believes men can endure abuse. She's uh, incapable of loving men or males across age, remember, and can even be seen as being cruel to male children. We talked about this a little earlier, uh, but it definitely comes out in this one as well. In public or you know, at work or in her family, has no empathy for males. When completely toxic, she can embody a kind of witch persona, particularly when interacting with males. So I chose a couple of images here. You have Taraji from, I think it was Acrimony. Yes. Um, and you have um, it's on the bottom left. On the bottom right, you have Angela Bassett's character in um, American Horror Stories. What is that? American Horror, uh, the series that was on. I think she was in the one where she was playing a, a Vodun um, priestess in Louisiana. I think it was in New Orleans. Uh, the one on the top right comes out of the uh, Tupac Janet Jackson film. Um, oh, goodness. What's the name of it? How am I blanking? Oh, on yeah, talking about, uh, uh, what was Poetic it? Justice. Poetic Justice. Poetic yeah. Justice. She was actually the older character that Janet Jackson's uh, character worked for. I think she owned the hair salon that Janet Jackson's uh, character, uh, you know, worked in. And uh, toward the end of the film, you know, when they finally all get to Oakland uh, and all of the, the the stuff has jumped off and people have been killed and. You know, Tupac yells at Janet, you know, she's standing there saying, see, that that's why I dress and rest. In other words, you know, I just play dudes. I don't I don't get my heart involved. Uh, what's up, Officer Charles is in the, in the comments. Um, you know, that's why she you know, so she kind of describes herself as really being removed. She deals with men, but men for her are tools for either finances or sex. Other than that, they're irrelevant to her. She's, she has a heart of stone. She has a heart of stone. And then the last last image is actually an image from the film Pumpkinhead. So, you know, you probably got to be a real 80s horror fanatic to know about that one. Um, but that character is a, is a witch that calls a monster when uh, there's vengeance that needs to be dealt out. But, you know, she's, she's, she's got a heart of stone. We used to classify the, the fact that I got this from women in the uh, mid-2000s, right? They called them the bitter broads of America. Okay. <laughs> okay. They, they have they developed a heart of stone, mm. and they're so bitter against what they've been through that they just kind of close up and mm-hmm. become like the heartless crumb. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Over time, um, definitely close off, and um, you know, and don't know how to open it back up, and probably can't. Any any relationship to the octanes? Uh, this could be uh, this could be any of them. But mm-hmm. especially to the, uh, I would say the ninety twos of the corporate women that uh, never see a man that's good enough for them, mm-hmm. and they're perpetually single, and uh, um, these are the ones that possibly could die alone. Yeah, because yeah, because they never they never want to settle, right. to find a man that's good enough, right? And if they do find a man that's good enough, there's always something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they they do literally become crones uh, uh, when they get past it. Yeah. But again, because this is an archetype, you can have a younger woman embody this idea, even though she may, you know, she hasn't reached a certain age. Now, I would argue this is probably more often than not an older woman, you know, trait, but you can see people who vary across age who may embody this um, and act it out. Right? They've, they've, they've been uh, uh, 
socialized, they act that way from their mother and from uh, from older women. Yeah, they can actually really embody that from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if she's been through, uh, you know, a lot and it's kind of closed off. But again, it takes it takes skill to endure, you know, life and actually be able to maintain perspective. It takes wisdom. It takes skill. It takes maintaining relationships with people who hold you accountable um, and and keep you from uh, creating a fantasy in your head about what's real and what's happened to you most of your life. Whenever you have a fantasy about especially a fantasy about being abused perpetually over time, usually it's something you need a real close friend who knows you well enough and, and, and can speak the truth to you to really kind of reveal to you how in many ways you've often created that dynamic. Yeah, this this probably should have been the last one mm. because uh, if you have, you have any of these negative traits, this is probably where you will line, wind up. True. You know, when you get past 50, which is heartless chrome, uh, especially if you're a man-hating feminist. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this is where that ends up going. Yeah. But the healthy alternative to this is, uh, is you know, the elder the mother, the grandmother, um, you know, if you're talking about metaphysics, this is the goddess, which is in contrast. If you look at the last show, when I talked about the goddess, it was very ego driven. It was very domineering. But the metaphysical quality of the goddess is, is often wisdom, particularly, you know, depending on which goddess you're dealing with. But more often than not, wisdom is a trait. And this and for this one, the, the counterpart, the, the healthy alternative to the crone is that type of figure, the wise grandmother or the elder healer. Right. And this is not somebody whose heart is, uh, is made of stone, who's closed off to men. Uh, this is somebody who's, you know, has 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 become, you know, you know wizened. <laughs> she's wise. She's experienced things and, um, you know, has developed the capacity to love beyond just the moment or with one odd one person. And to be in service of, of, of the people that are around her. Absolutely. Absolutely. To be in service to those around her. And I didn't put these in any order of importance. So you're probably right. This should have been the last one. Um, but I'm not suggesting by any means that whichever ones come next are more or less important. I literally wrote them down as they came to me. You know, and this one, shout out to my boy Vance. This was one he made a suggestion about um, as well. Uh, Big Pope, want to uh, appreciate that support. All right. Uh, so let me see here. Next up, the serial exploiter. Mm. Now, as you can see here, I got a picture of uh, Robin Givens. You got uh, you, your boy Scotty Pippen's wife in here. And oh, my goodness. Is that the stallion? Mm. That is the stallion. That is the stallion. Her She's mantra is there's a. Oh, oh. Huh? She still got her pinky toe. <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> but. Uh, her mantra is there's a sucker born every minute, right? As far as she's concerned, it's about what she can get and, and, and how often she can get it and from what source. Um, and, you know, so for her, uh, she's, she's often been married and divorced several times. She's repeatedly sought uh, material gain out of that. She actually sees relationships solely in terms of what she can get out of it materially. Um, she's often a serial monogamist. You know, um, looks for a man to objectify, will physically and mentally abuse. Right. She's capable of either um, wants you to be traditional, but she either refuses to be traditional 
or solicits your help with all of her traditional duties. The, shout out to Coach Greg Adams on this one. This was that last bullet point was something that, uh, he, you know, he mentioned something like this and it got me thinking, though. But it had to do with, um, you know, this idea of what being traditional is. And, and you know, post 1980s, it, it became an offensive thing to talk about traditions and being traditional in a relationship where right. she may cook and clean, he go out and earn, so on and so forth. And you repeatedly started to see more women saying, even if they were being completely supported, right. you know, where they didn't have to work, they didn't have to do, go to school, they, do, they would still say, well, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just because I'm a woman, I'm not washing dishes, I'm not cleaning the house. And, and, and so in that would make him, who may be supporting her entirely, participate in what would traditionally be her contribution to the relationship, or she right. would outright refuse to do any of it at all. Right. So she wants the traditional relationship, but only as it benefits her. She wants to cherry pick what she likes about the traditional idea. But most people forget the traditional idea was an exchange of resources. It was an exchange of resources, often by two people who had been primed and socialized into playing their particular gender roles. And when feminists in particular wanted to step out of their gender roles, they still demanded certain types of of of. Uh, traditional behavior from men, whether it be opening doors or whether it be paying bills, and yet, you know, would often provide men with none of that. So it was a very one-sided kind of dynamic, and I would argue that aspect of it has become the norm. Uh, shout out to Nick for the support. Any thoughts on that, BGS? Uh, the serial explorer, I would say, is the black widow. Mm. She sucks. She sucks the life out of you. Uh, this you and goes on to the next person. See, a lot of wrecked bodies in her wake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of her tells. Yeah, that's if, one of her tells. If you actually look at her past relationships, you'll see all of those bodies. Uh, broken marriages, broken relationships. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in fact, if you look at the uh, at the 48 laws of power, okay, uh, the, the uh, never mate with the extremely unlucky, okay, hmm. This is the Black Widow that she leaves bodies in her wake. Mm-hmm. And looks at looks for men of power to objectify uh, uh, men of wealth or men of uh, somebody material gain above what she has. And basically, once she's used them up, she goes on to the next man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, the healthy alternative here is uh, even though she may be, uh, you know, monogamous in her relationships, they're not driven by solely by financial gain. Uh, she actually values a connection with who she's with um, and is able to still engage and open up. Um, any relationship to the octanes? Uh, no, this could be more likely it's a woman of upper class. I would say uh, the serial exporter probably will be um, either a 92 or above, more likely 100 octane because mm-hmm. she's, she's the gold digger. Uh, but this could be any of the, uh, of the octane, any of the classes because uh, uh, they, Women do this in the hood, okay? Uh, from one dude to the next, of the working class dude that has a car or a house or resources can take care of her. Um, she'll do that till she finds somebody better and leave him broke in in her wake. Mm. His body's all over the place. So this kind kind of woman could be in any class, but especially in the upper classes. Um, uh, like I said, Megan Thee Stallion and uh, those of her ilk. Um, what's her name? Superhead was mm. another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had, had a trail of bodies behind it. And it's interesting that, you know, most people can see these people, especially if they're celebrities. We can see them from a mile away, 
But every time you look around, they're coming out of another relationship. And you're like, how? How do you not see that coming? You know, Shaq, believe not, uh, Shawnee Shaq's wife is another one. Okay. She's just not as publicized. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So let me see. I should have numbered them. So. And I think this is the last one for the evening, right? The perpetually single lady. Um, her mantra is, I'm alone because no one's worth my time, mm -hmm. right? Now, let me explain something just real quick. Uh, the, the, all three of the images I chose for this come from movies, you know, black films. Uh, the one at the top actually comes from a movie called Chapter and Verse. And it's a film about a man who gets out of prison and he's trying to help this family but, and there's a lot of different things that obviously take place, but the woman you're seeing on this image is actually his, uh, his employer. So when he gets out of prison, he's directed, I think it's like, I think it's a restaurant that he's working in and she's his boss. And at a particular point in the film, she demands sex from him in order for him to keep his job. And she threatens to have him sent back to jail if he doesn't provide it, right? Um, she herself can't really find a partner, can't find a relationship, but she exploits men for her needs. Now, the one at the very bottom, I mean, the, those of you seen the Single Moms Club, Tyler Perry's film, um, it is what it is. I mean, you, you just kind of have this celebration of single motherhood. But um, the last one is also pretty interesting. It's called Only for One Night. And it's basically a film about um, a married man whose sister-in-law drugs him and rapes him. And from there, you know, there's this, the, the most, of, the, most of what's drawn out after that is this whole question of whether he did it voluntarily and his family's broken apart and all of that. But the key component in these films is you have these single women who are very predatory about their status and how they engage other people, but they fly under the radar because we don't associate predatory capability to single mothers, single women or any of that. So, you know, this particular archetype speaks to those who, who kind of make predatory their single status, right? So she's too far above anyone to deign to take anyone seriously, may blackmail or coerce men for sex or service from other men, will constantly give excuses for not having relationships, whether it's they're all intimidated by me, they're all trifling. Again, if you hear that kind of language, especially like on a first date or a first phone call, seriously right. take note of that. Because again, if everybody is the problem, you have a lack of, of, of accountability there. Uh, often says she'll not date until her kids are grown and gone, is likely to have multiple kids from multiple men, all of whom she's negatively labeled, um, but she's not culpable for any of what has happened to her. It's everybody else's fault. All her stories are strictly about what others have done to her, lacks introspection and blames men for her single status, but is oblivious to her own problematic behavior. Right? She's completely oblivious. You can bring it up. You can show her evidence of the things she's done. You might be in a relationship with her and you can show her what she's done. You can tell her and she'll look at you with a blank expression and quickly move on like you didn't say anything. Completely oblivious. Any thoughts on that? This is what I call the broken woman. Okay. Because she's too broken. She's too uh, unhealthy as she maintain a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she knows she can only be with us with a, with a person for a limited amount of time. So she's professionally single. She's a professionally and, single. Wow. That's mm -hmm. a professionally single. So she's professionally. Single. Oh, perpetually. Okay. Because she can't maintain a long-term relationship, and she knows it. 
Mm-hmm. So it's either for sex or short-term relationship or mm-hmm. manipulation. She might have a, a, one kid by one person and one kid by another, but she can't uh, uh, maintain a relationship with the father. Yeah. Because he, she's, uh, she's psychologically broken. And she, unless she gets a lot of help, then she'll remain that way, become the crone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where therapy is definitely a necessity. But she may run across, uh, you know, good men who actually want to be in her corner and she will find a way to push them away. She'll find a way to make the relationship not work, especially if she can do so and blame you and not, again, have to be accountable for any of it. But at the end of the day, she's actually the one creating each of these scenarios. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want the real per- real. She's afraid that you won't love the real her. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So she'll, her, so it's a defense mechanism of pushing people away. Before you see the real me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. The healthy alternative here is a woman who happens to be single and is looking for a lover and husband, but has identified what she wants, is not deluded about what type of man is attainable to her, also takes ownership of her part in any negativity that has occurred in her life and can articulate that, you know, without you having to jam or pressure her to do so. She can volunteer that and be quite clear about what role she played and doesn't blame others for her experiences and choices. Um, any relationships to the Octane here? Octane series. Um, this could be any Octane. You see it more in, say, like the upper classes. Okay. Uh, because uh, she's less uh, dependent on, on, on man's earnings or resources for survival. So these, uh, they are more able to actually uh, maintain this kind of lifestyle, but you could, could be any of those lifestyles, especially, uh, um, you, you see it with welfare women a lot, mm-hmm. you know, um, perpetually single because of the, their status and their, uh, their shame. So they'll just have men in and out of their lives, you know, because, uh, because the government says you take care of them okay. and, uh, and they, and they not, they can't maintain a, a healthy relationship. So. They kind of, they get, kind of gets passed down from, from grandma, mother to mother to daughter, mm-hmm. and so they have a you know a, a, not a train but a series of men coming in out of their lives. So, um, so I would say the upper classes and maybe even the lower class okay. actually be uh, actually exhibit this kind of behavior in different ways, of course. Well, we we're, we're going to close out in a little over ten minutes, but I'm seeing in the comments people asking for the number again. So if you do call in before we close out, just make sure you're you're, you're very direct and, and to the point. Give us your name, uh, where you're located, and and you know be very very concise. The number is three one zero nine two eight seven seven three three. Right um, now. In terms of these, now, would this be, because I'm seeing this coming up in the chat, but I've seen it with a couple of the different archetypes from tonight. Uh, would this be uh, Molly from Insecure? And and for those who don't know, BGS has done an excellent review of a show that I probably wouldn't watch unless he was doing the review. I mean, it got to the point where I only watched the show to listen to his reviews of it. So Insecure on HBO, uh, if you can look up, if he hasn't taken those videos down, if you can look up his review of Insecure, he definitely does some, gives some excellent insight into um, the various archetypes that he's kind of framed in terms of the Octane series. Do you see um, early Molly in this? Yes. I mean, in fact, I was engaged with Molly. She said exactly that. She said, I always make men run mm-hmm. because, uh, because of uh, my uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, and she was broken as a child. Yeah. 
So yeah. she never could really trust men because she didn't trust herself. Right. I'm going to do something to mess it up. And she said it. And guess what? She did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She found a way to mess it up. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and they'll put you in a situation that you can't allow, you know, right. so you have to end it. And she knows that, you know, yeah. you know, so um, whether it has to do with, you know, damaging your property or uh, trying to get you fired at the job over an arbitrary argument or um, starting, fights with, starting fights with your family, you know. Or it could be even in a relationship context. You know, you, you, I've, I've heard of this one where she'll say, well, you know what? I need to be able to be free in a relationship where I can leave for a week and have no one ask me any questions. <laughs> well, you're in a situation where you're like that. That doesn't I can't you know, I can't roll with that. Well, you know, so she'll put you in situations that you you have to, you know, um, you have to challenge. And, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for her. Yeah, She'll find something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but often you're not prepared for for if you give her the permission to do what she's talking about, you're still not prepared for what she's going to do with that. But, but if it doesn't adequately upset you or sufficiently upset you, yes, she will find something else to press until you push her away, uh, which is, you know, what she wants on a certain level. But I, I do see this more with the uh, with educated women mm. than, than uh, say, the... Uh, uh, working class women or even the lower class women, I do see this more mm-hmm. because they are less dependent on you, and they're and they're also more. Uh, uh, how can I say uh, high strung? Okay. Than, than the uh, normal woman because of the pressure that's put on them actually to, to succeed, mm-hmm. and uh, this kind of behavior actually under, under stress actually come out. Most of these women like this, especially if they're upper class. Um, they always got two things. They always got either wine or some kind of drug. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, uh, with black women, if you see if you see them with a bottle of wine and a stash of weed, uh, be careful because <laughs> they're under a lot of stress. Okay, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of these women, you know, said a quarter of these women are on uh, antidepressants. Okay, nine times out of ten, they're actually the uh, the upper class women, uh, eighty nine and above. Okay, the okay, to succeed is is uh, actually bends women out of shape. Mm. Most women, especially black women. Okay. Right. And so again, when we look at what kinds of things uh, allowed her to advance without the need for support, you can see how these uh, kinds of uh, dynamics come about, how these type of archetypes are enabled in a particular way, which makes the current moment that much more devastating because as those resources and institutions are being withdrawn, are being removed, are being diminished. Uh, we're starting to see the need uh, to rely on men again. Our engineers just watch out for the gin and juice. <laughs> the gin and juice. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I think there we go. As far as that, we've uh, I think the ones we've covered for tonight, the long-suffering sacrificial mother, the competitive masculine cookie, the Beyonce, the caring mentor, the abused victim, the boss dominatrix, the man-hating feminist, the heartless crone, the serial exploiter, and the perpetually single lady uh, all kind of play into some of these tropes that, um, you know, many black men have have experienced. And a lot of these didn't just come from, you know, me just sitting there thinking about it. They really came from uh, conversations with men uh, over the years. 
who've talked about their experiences in this way. Um, the, the earlier ones I talked about before, the spoiled virgin child, the diva, the overbearing mommy or Madeer, the sex slave, the psychologist, the mystic prophetess, the combative provocateur, the seductive enchantress, the scholar teacher, the disingenuous diplomat, the exploitive queen, and the shaman earth goddess. All of these different archetypes are not designed to trash women. They're designed to serve as a, as a rubric for you to use to assess if you are dealing with a very particular type of toxicity. Right? Um, I'm not interested in trashing people for the sake of trashing them. What I'm interested in is us being able to have realistic conversations about what we experience. And we got a caller from 410 area code. Uh, give us your name and your, your, your city and tell us what's on your mind. What's going on, King? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, I appreciate the actual conversation. I just wanted to highlight real quick that I had a situation where I was just talking about protecting my assets and just restructuring companies and not wanting to be robbed in the long run. And uh, just, you know, for the divorce or anything that I might face if I was to get married. And my family sat down there with my mother and my sister and told me, you're supposed to get robbed. And they said, no, no, no. She's supposed to take your money. You're supposed to have everything taken from you and disadvantage. And then I said, well, hold on. I'm your son. What do I do? Am I understanding? And then it's correctly. And they were like, well, we're women. You don't understand. Wow. And so from that, I really see the content and the propaganda that is on the TV screen. That's why I love you guys and putting those videos and those movies. Mm-hmm. And they give these messaging about the dynamics between relationships and values, and it really puts it in a position. And I've been overseas for 14 years. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the men go their own way in the real pill, I didn't understand it. But now I do understand. And I do understand the brothers are not finding ways to articulate it and identify it like you brothers. And I appreciate this channel, and I did a review on my own channel about it told the brothers, you need to go in this direction and listen to these kings because they're really doing it in a functional, constructive way, trying to find a solution. I don't want my daughter or my future actual son to deal with this dynamic. Yeah. It's heavy imbalance, and it's going to lead to anarchy. And we really need solution-based channels like you. So far to you kings and brothers that up here late night putting in this fight. So I appreciate it across the board. I love your analysis. All right. Much respect to you, man. Appreciate that. Um, BGS, any uh, thoughts? Uh, the, the, that's the gynocracy versus you. Whose body do you think they will bury? Mm. <laughs> Whose position do you think they will protect? That's for Papa Pope, the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, are, you are there to serve and die. Well, uh, I do apologize if you couldn't hear them. Um, I'm, you know, I'm working on this. My system, we're going to get it going. Uh, I've been through two different mixers and I'm having trouble, so we'll get it figured out. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, we, we're, he, we're we're just really looking at the ways in which we've been socialized to serve as cannon fodder, uh, to serve as, as as you know, you, 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 tools, utilitarian kind of objects uh, in in our relationships and often by the women that are raising us. So this is a multi-generational dynamic. The gynocracy that we're looking at in the black community actually produces uh, you know, more cannon fodder for the next generation of women. 
But this particular moment is very interesting. And what's going on in terms of the economics of COVID and of the quarantine era is actually dramatically pushing back on several decades of support, of institutional kind of framing that has allowed women to produce this kind of dynamic in the Black community. So what we're seeing is a moment where uh, there's all kind of potential for different things to take place. And it's essential that men be able to articulate their issues and their experiences and to develop strategy about what direction they want to go. But you can't tend to do that unless you adequately understand what you've been enduring. So any thoughts on that, BGS? Basically, you, your, your, your outro, as you always quote, as it expresses just what he said. Yeah. What they expect from us. And, uh, and you actually, you always lay it out. We're well, expected to serve, especially serve in the capacity towards their end and, and for their betterment, and not ours. Yeah. Self-sacrifice is supposed to be our job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we're actually going to get to that. Any any last thoughts before I close out of here, sir? Uh, basically, I mean, these are, I mean, these these archetypes, like like you said, they could be put into categories. Um, as as far as basic categories, basically the. the Iterations are actually endless. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you will actually run across either uh, one of these types or multiple types of the same woman. Yeah, absolutely. But basically, a, a lot of these negative pages will lead women to become what the the old crone, what I call the, the bitter broad of America. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't this isn't limited by race, but you know we're black men. We're having a conversation about our own community. Um, but I would argue that when you really get into the granular workings of it, there are differences in different communities, you know, um, so the the way it's expressed might be different or some distinct differences. We're in this conversation having a conversation about uh, predatory feminine black, uh, you know, archetypes because we're black men and that's the majority of who we associate with on an intimate level. But uh, I want to thank BGS for joining me on the show, uh, helping us break through some of this. And I hope you guys will share uh, the video you know, continue to support the channel. Definitely subscribe. Y'all know how I like to close out. I'm here to tell you, brothers, that we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We're thinkers, innovators, uh, inventors, leaders, fathers, uh, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. Where we go here. There it is. Let's see if we can get this right. And we're not getting it right. 